This week on First Issue Club, it's Superman Year One on DC. Hey club members, this is the First Issue Club Podcast. Your comic book podcast where we review first issue comics. We're so excited <laughs> to be here and talk about comics with you. Uh, if you're new to the First Issue Club podcast, we uh, lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky world that is the comic book landscape. We read comics. I think I mentioned that. And uh, we talk about them. So it's fun. You know what happens in the world? So the the Raptors won, the Blues won. Sports takes a little pause in the summer, but you know what doesn't pause? Your goddamn comic books don't <laughs> pause. They don't stop. We don't stop. Get on the train, because we're on the fun train. Destination Comic Book Readingville. You. I kind of wish we got the summer off. Some podcasts get the summer off. We don't. Yeah, those, we're year round. Yeah, us in the movie podcasts, they take a bullwhip to us. <laughs> and it's not like, even like they don't like they don't even like settle down during the summer. No, they heat up. They heat up. <laughs> yeah, because all the children are off, and they they're with their sweaty fingers and their snicker fingers. <laughs> <laughs> now their their hands are big like Snickers, or they're just they're covered in Snickers. They're covered in Snickers because they're just home eating Snickers, and then they, they come to the store and say, like, "Wow." <laughs> And then, and then there's events, and there's they're just like little tiny zombies. <laughs> yeah, like Marvel events. <laughs> you know how summer works. <laughs> oh, chestnut. I have a vague understanding. Man, wasn't summer so much better when you like didn't have had no responsibilities? Yeah. yeah, just fucking watch guts all day. I think everything was better when I didn't have a job. <laughs> Life was truly enjoyable. All right, we got a lot of shit to talk about, so we got to get into it. Um, no more dicking around, Budget King. Uh, today in the club, we have Mike D, Caitlin, Greg, and the lovable Budget King. That's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> And the rest of us are here as well. <laughs> okay, uh, so we got some things coming up. We are going to be at Screenland in on Armor Road in Kansas City July 2nd for the opening of Spider-Man Fart from Home. Um, if you just had to do it. I had to. I put a little tea you in there. You had to throw the yeah. fart. There is three people right now just chuckling. <laughs> Not in this Total. room. <laughs> a little turtle. <laughs> Turtle, chortle. A little turtle. 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 Uh, turtle. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna be there. That's gonna be a fun experience. We're doing a lot of. Um, we're gonna kind of record a live podcast after the movie. Um, do a lot of crazy stuff. If you miss us at Planet, that'd be a great time to come hang out with us and enjoy Spider Man. Lots of uh, webhead knowledge here. You guys really get your jollies off for Spider Man, so I can't wait to see you jolly it all the way home there. Um, this is number nine, D9, uh, episode, N- nine, nine, yeah. two nines, <laughs> two nines. It's a palindrome of a number. You can say it forwards and backwards the same way, 99, 99, which means next week after you listen to this is a hundred and that's crazy because we're going to do crazy stuff on that. What are we going to do, Greg, on that episode? Uh, well, we're going to take a look back at the past of First Issue Club. We're going to uh, do 100 minutes of absolute comic book insanity. That's right. 100 minutes for our 100th episode. It may be 40 minutes of dead air, but we'll be goddamned if we don't make it 100 minutes for you because you are our listening audience people and you deserve 100 minutes of solid comic book love, affection, and 
uh, other great stuff, but it's 100 minutes. Did I say 100 minutes one more time? 100 minutes. Oh, take a breath, Greg. You learned it. Yeah. <gasps> Before our 100th episode, we're going to try out a thing where we want 100 reviews, rate and reviews. Uh, they help us a lot. They um, are uh, great to us. I think I said that already. They're like 100 tiny little e- fancy desserts. Yes. <laughs> Just tiny, for us. Tiny little yeah. desserts. It's like you're taking us on a date. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we would like that if you did it for us. If you could get well, anybody. Well, we're putting out, so I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're loose as fuck. <laughs> We've given to you, so you need to give back to us. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's turned. Oh, it's turned. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know if that's how it works. That's true, actually. In 2019. Um, yeah. Well, we. You know what? You don't. They're technically already you don't the owe for us free. anything. You don't owe us anything. But if you be nice. feel the need, it'd be nice to give us a review or a rating. Boy, would we love it. I mean, you've already met all of our parents, so I don't know really what you're doing. Just tell us where this is going already. I'll yeah. literally give you anything you ask for. <laughs> that reeks of desperation. I'm, I'm fucking serious. You're going to turn our listeners off. Do you want to fuck me or watch me fuck something or want to fuck you? Or I mean, I'll stick my dick in anything. We have reached that point in the podcast. That's a literal scene from MacGruber, I think. It is. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. We're out of paper toner, but... <laughs> Um, yep, okay, so that's the new uh, depths that we've reached, um, <laughs> so uh, we're pumped for a bunch of hundred stuff, and I think we have a fun summer coming up. Hopefully we'll do SummerSlam again. Yes, okay. we, I hope so. I really, we had so much fun last year doing SummerSlam, so we Let's, gotta figure something out. Yeah, we'll prime the pumps for that. Uh, rumored that the Disney Marvel Universe is trying to uh, get in Keanu Reeves somewhere to play a character or something like that. Yep, just came out today. Uh, what the fuck is today? Today's <laughs> 19th? June 19th. Yes. Juneteenth. Yeah. So um, we thought it'd be fun to kind of go around the horn and kind of uh, fantasy cast who we think Keanu Reeves should play in the MCU. Wait. Uh, hold on. There's only rumors that he's playing some vague character? No, no, no. So the so the article was Marvel has officially come out and basically said they're courting Keanu Reeves. Gotcha. He, but we don't know for what. Right. He's he's like done some interviews and some casting stuff. Like they're they're openly talking to Keanu Reeves. Okay. And Marvel has said this. And they're just like, we want him. We want you in the MCU. So separate from that, have you guys seen all the ads for this new uh, video game called Cyberpunk that Witcher 3 is creating? And Keanu Reeves is the star of it? Yeah. Keanu Reeves' could, stock could not be hotter. Like, he thought he peaked in the Matrix, and dude is on fire. No, he's got John Wick 3. He's got Bill and Ted coming out in 2020. He's got this video game, and potentially he's going to be in the MCU. And he was just in a Netflix movie where he was fucking hilarious. Didn't he play himself in the movie? Yes. Yeah, he did a cameo. And he always comes up on Reddit, that little fact where he bite out everybody motorcycles. Everybody loves Keanu Reeves. He is the American Jackie Chan. He lives <laughs> humbly and donates a lot of his money. He does his own stunts. He, um, both his parents died, right? And then he, like... That's not a good thing. He's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of building oh, on this his... Oh, this is just facts? Okay. ...on his story. And then he, like... I think on his dad's deathbed, it was like, you always wanted to be an actor. I'm confusing a couple stories here. He bought an alligator (laughs) human boots. (laughs) Keanu Reeves. Uh, M&M's melt in his hand. Who should he play in the Marvel Universe? Um, I I will go first. I think Keanu Reeves 
is being primed for uh, two characters. And it's, it gets to be his choice. It's either Adam Warlock or Silver Surfer. Mm. So I feel like um, Marvel's going to be doubling down on the Fantastic Four here pretty soon. They just got the rights back from Fox. So they really want to uh, come out with a bang. And Keanu Reeves as uh, Silver Surfer would be pretty fucking rad. And if it's mostly motion capture, that's even better. He doesn't have to really do yeah. much. You don't think he's is he he's getting to the point where he's more age appropriate for like a Reed Richards type too though, right? That is very true. But is he too like surfer boy to be a Reed Richards? He can get a nice haircut. No, no, I mean like like his voice, like in like the way he delivers lines. Yeah. Oh, it'd be an interesting role reversal for him to play like the smartest man alive. Yeah, yeah. it would right? be. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy the idea of Adam Warlock, mm-hmm. and um, my pick is, I think, in that same vein. I kind of want him to play someone who ambiguously could be maybe a villain. Mm-hmm. I think he's interesting in, like, a villain role, especially for Marvel, where we would kind of expect him to be a good guy. Okay. What do you think about him playing, like, a, a Black Bolt type? Ooh, but no speaking ooh. roles. Yeah, I could see that. But kind of uh, introducing Inhumans as an enemy and not necessarily yeah the good guys. I could see that for sure. So along those lines, I kind of think they're gonna use him like the way that they used Alanis Morissette in Dogma uh, when she is God. If you are familiar, yes, with that Kevin Smith movie, the Kevin Smith um, religious movie, yes. Uh, I think that they use an, another famous 90s hero to be a godlike person, kind of like happening. And I think um, maybe like Galactus. That would be very, very interesting. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was thinking more along the what you had said, but maybe possibly with like a Beta Ray Bill. Oh. Oh, like he just voices him? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm into that. I don't know why it popped into my head, but... That would be super easy to do as well. Yeah. I don't know that, I mean, if his stock is really high, I don't know that you don't want to see his face. All you need is his name. Buzzworthy. Yeah. I think Adam Warlock is the best guest that I've heard that, so yeah, far. Silver Surfer is kind of a great guest, though, too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm taking credit for that. I'm sure the entire fucking internet is screaming Silver Surfer. And... Surfer. It says the word surfer. He played a surfer once. Yeah. And Silver Surfer, I mean, I know we're riding off the... Uh, high of Silver Surfer Black from last week that we read and we all loved. Uh, but I think he'd be really good in that. Yeah. I think he kind of holds himself as, well, I mean, he was a fucking surfer in... Point Break. In Point Break, yeah. So, so uh, let's get this podcast started. <laughs> Stop. Was that your Keanu Reeves impression? <laughs> uh, was it not? I'm just asking. Was it I just want to. I just want to clarify. Um, I'm. I kind of. I put my eyes back into my head, like like he might do, but that wasn't. That wasn't my Keanu Reeves at, at all. <laughs> wait, wait, can you do a Keanu Reeves impression? Um, <laughs> uh, let's give it a shot. Every impression Greg uh, ever does, if it goes long enough, turns into Keanu Reeves. Hey, first issue club, let's get this podcast started. <laughs> That was really good. That wasn't good. It wasn't one sa- of your best. It kind of but... sounded like the turtle from um, Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah. Is that voiced by Keanu Reeves? Oh, no. He's kind of gotten low and grizzly as he's yeah. gotten older. <clears throat> <Excuse me. Sorry. laughs> 
Keanu Reeves here, and I just want to say, yeah. let's get this podcast started. <laughs> I'll try one more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a deep fake. <laughs> wow. Was that like was that like his Batman voice? <clears throat> no, that was just normal. Everyday counter reef. Can I get a chai latte? <laughs> Can I get a chai latte? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Counter Reeves here. I just want to say it's really great to be here on First Edition Club. Dear God. <laughs> he has like an anal fissure. <laughs> Listen, being he someone like, that has many <laughs> anal fissures, you sound normal. What? <laughs> Sometimes poop is hard to get out and just rips a little bit. What does that have to do with anything we're talking about? I guess it's acting up and the cadence of your voice is effective. Yeah, right? yeah. Like every time you speak, your anal fissures <laughs> pang. Yeah. Those are insane <laughs> anal fissures. You need to see a doctor. Maybe that was William Shatner's problem. I w- I'm not familiar with how anal fissures work. I just assumed that they like. No. Got- <laughs> <laughs> I assume they got you. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try on this. Surprise! You have an anal fissure. Su- surprise fissure. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, oh, beat me up. <laughs> As you can see, my anal fissures are affecting me. <laughs> I, mean, I, know you're, I know that we're joking, but that's honestly how I thought they were. <laughs> that's more like if you have like a hernia. Like that? I don't know that that's any of that. You've true. never had an anal fissure? Be honest. <laughs> You've never had an anal fissure. I wouldn't never know, I don't King. think, if I had. What? It, you'd know. Is if it, you've had you blood are, in I, your stool, then you've had an anal fissure. Or like when you wipe. <laughs> I've had blood in my stool. I guess. Welcome to the fucking club, then. <laughs> the Fisher Club. Well, okay then. The Fisher there, Club. There has been there's been times where I've been like in a <laughs> in a store, and I'll be like, oh, and like g- drastic pain coming from my asshole. <laughs> well, that might be a hernia. <laughs> yeah. Were you in a sex club? No. What does he sound like? What's he, I don't even know what Keanu Reeves sounds like. Let's get this podcast started. That's a good one. First up, we got Superman Year One on DC Black Label by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. So this is Superman's origin story, and it's on Black Label. So just before we even get into the book, first off, uh, what do you guys think about Superman being on Black Label? And, and Black Label, if you aren't familiar, um, has was the first time that Batman showed his penis. And it's a little bit more of a rougher and tougher look at the world. Grittier, more mature DC. Yeah. I'll say this. It's the hottest take I got. How are people not riding the streets that we did not get a Clark Kent penis in this? (laughs) Well, he is a minor, the whole issue. So there's that. Wait, is he a minor when he goes to the Navy? Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah, I think they're, yeah. We don't get... uh, 
Clark Kent out of his adolescence in this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, we did get no penis. Um no peen. There's hashtag no peen. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag... Find us find us on Twitter, first issue club, hashtag no peen. No soup peen. So shout out to my comic book shop, um, Pop Culture Comics out in Kansas. Whoop, whoop. Uh I had a conversation with uh the guy at my store today and he said the same thing that we're all thinking why was this a black label book there's the darkest thing to happen in it is the word damn which someone's like quickly corrected like that's not a good word to say (laughs) and then there's um insinuation at one point that rape is potentially about to occur yeah that and i was kind of wondering if that was it and and maybe they're not necessarily just wanting to rush into how dark this is going to get. Maybe in issue two or three, this goes to a much darker place. But as far as the first issue goes, I thought that you would capitalize a little bit more on being on a on a DC label where you can seemingly do whatever, whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Maybe it's because with black label you can well it's this thing that we hate where it's the size of a fucking magazine yeah, it's huge it's a thick boy we the, to, the format was the really only different thing about it than any other dc book right and it's like it's beefy all yeah. all these black label books have been really really thick like i think you just get more storytelling with the black label uh, imprint but you're right i mean this easily could have been just a regular dc book there wasn't anything in some ways it read like a teen book yeah it really did it, it really did. I mean, did not seem like an adult book. Unless Frank Miller was going soft in his old age, I mean, this was almost so okay, like a put, kiss on the cheek. Let's put that out at the top too. Uh, Frank Miller writes a, a new Superman book. Um, kind of thought it would be gritty and raw a, a little bit. I mean, he's known for literally bringing the grit and the raw to Batman. I mean, make, making Batman dark and violent. Yep, with um, Dark Knight. Um. Did he bring that at all? I don't know. I, um, I mean, we've read so much of his stuff with like Sin City and Dark Knight, and I mean, maybe he's just building up to this bigger moment that's going to happen in the later issues, but uh, with the Superman character in general, it is kind of a softer story. Would you would you not agree? Yeah, no, I totally. I agree. mean, Batman Batman definitely had the rougher childhood. So that's he watched his parents. Well, I guess Superman watched his parents die too, but in different circumstances. He didn't not wa- in this book. Watch him die in this book. Yeah, but there was a little bit of that subtext and inner monologue that I thought was uh, that I was pretty interested by, and I think it could lead into something a little bit grittier. He's even as a kid getting into fights with bullies in this book. He is constantly reminding himself humans break easily and like getting into kind of a dark way of looking at humans like their bodies are jelly they're protected by bones he's not looking at them in like a warm and fuzzy protector way he's looking at them in a way that's like people are objects i'm not one of them uh Mm -hmm. and i have to really like be careful to the ones that i'm fond of Mm -hmm. not screw anything up that you know that caitlin to me was the best part of this comic was him like kind of realizing or even quoting his father in his head about how like humans are just jelly and they're fragile mm-hmm. um and I, I was like that's something i could i i could see this comic book going someplace for and then like when he even when he's a tiny boy getting picked up by <laughs> his parents for the first time being like yes let them think this is their idea to take you home like it's a different it's more calculated and more 
the inner monologue kind of, there was super interesting. Yeah, and I then that. I thought initially that the book might be going to a Brightburn sort of space. It certainly felt like that. that. He's Superman is really engineered the entire situation for himself. Um, I think I think we're maybe led to believe that even as a child, that just his baby intuition and his control over people uh, just took into effect when he was in this unknown place. And since coming to his own and having a mind of his own as he got older, he kind of like lost that um, weird baby intuition that he yeah. had that they teased at the beginning of the book. But that was kind of dark, Yeah, I'll say. But it, it only lasts for like a second. Yeah. Then, I mean, toward the end of the book, you're seeing him go off into potential war-like situations or training. So maybe mm-hmm. it's going to get a little grittier. Yeah, I think there's a handful of things here that just tease that the grittiness is potentially on the way. We'll get into this more, but the a lot of the theme of the book was um, bullying and being able to stand up to bullies and how life isn't fair. And Clark has this kind of battle with morality and justice. Uh, and and taking it into his own hands. And you kind of get the idea that he's not that altruistic Superman, which didn't strike me as too, too odd because I think in any Superman origin story you get, there's things where we find him learning those morals from the Kents and having getting shaped into the man that he becomes as Superman. So we we do see him battle with those things in, in other origin stories. But maybe not so much as to, like, actually start getting into, like, fights in high school and um, ha- having these strong moral decisions to have to make. Um, but really making them out of self-interest rather than... Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So if the, if you're going to jump on to a Superman now, I think this might be the book to do it in in a lot of ways because really? of well, I think that like only just contextually, like just just because there's a lot of other Superman books, like it it would be easy to jump on to this Superman book rather than trying to go to um the some, Bendis run? Yeah. That's to happening right now? Uh-huh. Like hmm. I guess I guess you could have Well, I'll tell you what. I guess this is a pick your poison really. Uh, I don't think so. I think I read the first issue of Leviathan. Yeah. Not interested. Oh, don't Jesus care. Christ. Skip that. If you're just <laughs> dipping your toe into Superman, do not even look at well, Levi- that, Leviathan that, that's books. That's if, what I'm saying. Like, if you're a DC super fan and are wanting to get into an event there that has a lot of the deep DC stuff, you're probably going to fucking love Leviathan. Right, and where exactly. It goes. Bendis is an amazing writer. Exactly. Uh, since I don't frequent Superman, so not interested in that. And that and this on the other hand, yeah. I had a I honestly had a great time with. Not to uh jump ahead. Jump ahead. Well, but I, I don't I don't think that's jumping ahead cuz that's what I wanted to kind of ask you guys. I guess like if this is your first not your first time, but if if you're going to jump in and start reading like Superman, like does this feel like a story that you're going to stick with that you're excited about to see him like grow? A lot happens in this fucking 100-page book. But. Yeah. Well, I th- yeah. I mean, I think so. It Frank Miller does a really good job. We, I mean, we talked about it already, already that he's like kind of grittier and tells these darker stories, but I feel like he's maybe found a little bit of brevity here and he's trying to bring a little bit of lightness to the story because he knows he's writing for Superman and he knows that um, like he gets the opportunity to write the, the first year of him being the quote-unquote Superman. 
So I think he's coming at an, at an angle that he knows that a lot of new readers are potentially going to be jumping onto this. So I think he has kind of like trimmed the fat and, you know, like with the Leviathan thing, he's, he didn't want to do that. He kind of really wanted to tell a straightforward young man who is an alien coming to terms with who he is, what's his role in this world and on Earth and telling a different coming of age story, which I think is very palatable for new readers. Yeah. And the key phrase there being a different coming of age story. Yes. That I think you really got to if, if this is recommended reading for anybody. You really got to caveat it with the fact that this is some Elseworld alternative universe sort of scenario with Clark joining the Navy. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, at the end of this book was just the, the big payoff that like was was almost the kind of like turn the page and um, here's this crazy thing that's going to happen th- next time. You know what I mean? Like right. we didn't get some weird villain um, that's an exciting payoff for the next issue. But if for such a storied superhero, having a somewhat typical origin story and then taking a hard left turn mm-hmm. into this aspect of Clark's life that we never have gotten in any other alternate universe story, um, pretty interesting and uh, not your typical Superman story. But yeah. it is, I think it serves the absolute purpose of being a character that people are familiar with and from a surface level maybe more interested in reading a story about because of that and you're getting something interesting and new here which is exciting and it's hard that's hard to do with a character that is so uh it's hard weaved to... into the zeitgeist of our society already like everyone knows who fucking superman is Give... everybody yeah and Almost impossible to write a Superman comic book that feels fresh. Exactly. That, that's the point I was trying to make. And I think Frank Miller maybe have, has done the impossible here by adding a new twist to it that is pretty because you, interesting. Because you also have to keep the tried and true, like, American hero thing. Like, that right. he's just, like, so, such a good person or whatever. Otherwise, you get into, like, other variants of, like, Injustice or Brightburn, where it's like he's just a god that's destroying everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I mean, he, Superman is just the ultimate good. Um, and so Truly, to, yeah. to, to write that is just like, it's it's tough. That's not an easy write. What about the Kents um, being, like the parents, the the version of, the, of uh, Superman's parents that we get? How, how do you mean? I... Personally, I was a little bit offended by how they wrote their dialogue. Almost, <laughs> oh my as god! As someone from Kansas, as, yes. someone, as someone from Kansas, <laughs> it was almost unreadable. It's like, what are they hillbillies? I was like, I've never met a person that speaks like that. Like that is ridiculous. Look at here, Ma. I found a young and out here in a wheat field. Like what? Not why and... go with that? That that just seems so weird. I think it's a characterization that people on like the coasts that aren't from Middle America will probably just find quaint and like. Yeah. You know you what really I mean? think people are that simple? I think most people know that that's not how people talk in Kansas. Now. Well, I don't know. There's parts of, like, small-town America where I bet... Yeah, they lean into it. Yeah. They, and I, he's definitely not in, like, a city. Yeah. yeah. I think he was trying to just make the point of just, like, these are down-home folk who rely on their, you know, well, not I, regular school and education. This is, this is what I think happened. Like, you ever been like at a, out to a restaurant and somebody, when the waiter comes or waitress comes, uh, does a fake British accent, 
And then I have never. <laughs> well, I have. And then they end up having to keep on doing that fake British accent because they're like, oh, I, I don't want to make them feel bad. I had a fake British <laughs> accent, so they got to keep it up the whole night. I think Frank Miller was like, let me dip my toes in Hillbilly. And yeah. then he was like, I'm going to paint the whole comic with Hillbilly. <laughs> Turns out I don't speak Hayseed. Um, <laughs> so the, peop- the person kept up the British accent, not out of embarrassment for themselves, but because of the empathy for the waitress or waiter. I had yeah, wandered my way into a thespian club, and we were at an IHOP, and uh, yeah, that's how that went. Oh, my God. But this is the same scenario. Frank Miller bit off more than he could chew with his accent. I do want to get back to the parents, though, because I think that they are really compelling characters in this and that you're getting two sides of this Clark Kent character in his parents, and each of them represent a distinct side of that. You have his dad who's kind of saying, like, off to the side in several conversations, your mom means well. She's such a sweetheart, but a man's got to stand up for himself. A man's got to kick a little ass. Um, and on the on the opposite side, you're getting the altruistic, uh, basically the embodiment of what we know and love about Superman today. Right. All from Martha Kent, which is um, love everybody, um, think Just before you do. Assume the best in people. Assume yeah. the best in people that... You know, we all go through these things and people can always change. Um, And this comes to a head at the end of the book where you see his mother crying about him joining the Navy and her concerns about him turning into a weapon of war. That there's a mentality in the military um, of aggression and the political side of what our country would do. Honestly, if they found a man as powerful as Superman and he was an American, like what you could do with that, you could turn the world into America. You could have all the oil you ever wanted. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Almost overnight. And there's a really dark, interesting side of Superman. And I feel like it's got the potential to branch off in those two directions where he becomes more like his father, or he realizes, hey, my mother was the wise one who had real words of wisdom. Does he follow some median of the two, or does he take after one or the other? And I I think that's where some real interest in the story lies in ahead of where this is going to go. Um, let's get into the bullying scene a little bit so there, there's I would say most of the story is like these epic bulliers or bullies as they're known uh, in their high school that are just running amok just declaring full on rampage on the school <laughs> the teachers are afraid everybody's afraid what what, what do you think about that storyline I think that one thing I appreciate about the way it was told is that it didn't seem too far fetched of like small town America the whole, like, boys will be boys attitude. These kids are going to fuck around. We don't want to deal with it, so we're just going to let it happen. I think completely accurate to a small farm town. Yeah. I love that Clark takes to the um, nerdy kids and his friends are the ones being bullied. That he that Great that it puts him in a really awkward um, place, but he's also 
a kid out of place. They, we have him hanging out with a lot of minorities in this group. There's a Hispanic kid, a black kid. Um, yeah, but the, bla- the Hispanic kid gets like beaten up and called a spick. Right. So there's some racial stuff there. And I think, I think he sees himself, even though he's growing up a white man in middle America, that I think he sees himself in those sort of characters, not only because of his mother's influence on him as he was raised, but because he does have those flashes of being an other or an outsider and identifies with them to some extent with being different. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting contrast with those characters. Let's say, for example, in this story, he's 10 minutes later to find Lana. In that scene that we talked about earlier. Right. So Lana Lane is his love interest in this story growing up in Smallville. Mm -hmm. All of the bullies that Clark is retaliating against go to Lana's house coax her outside of her house uh, down the road a little bit and force her to the ground, hold her down, and say some awful things that insinuate they're about to have their way with her. Um, Super fucking dark for a Superman story. Right. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a Superman story, even though it never got to that point. And it just was like a flash for a second before Clark jumped in and saved the day. All they had to do was insinuate. Still terrible grumbling in my belly that something super fucked up that just like we do not see in our fun bright colorful superman stories is about to happen um i i think that happens in this universe with clark growing up he is 180 turn what the things that i could have done he's balancing on this spectrum of of morality and how far to go and how far to handle things Mm -hmm. that I could have stopped this thing a long fucking time ago and the person I love wouldn't be living this like hellscape that I I now feel responsible for as Clark Kent and that's that's another um contrast against um who he is as a person and the whole bullying dynamic there that I I think again is just going to pay off in a major way later on in the storyline. Well, that sounds like like the the trappings of a story of, of a villain's origins. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let's say that he does lose control, and he realizes he gets more of a response through his anger and through his um, power. Why go back? You know what I mean? Why go back to restraining yourself and holding back when you get more of a response and you get mm-hmm. more of a reaction from your brute force? That's how you create a villain. That is unstoppable. This is, it's, it's like the complete opposite of the suit of the Spider-Man origin story, right? Where if Spider-Man would have stopped the bad guy, Uncle Ben never would have died. And if Clark Kent would have, you know, intervened here or maybe taken the next step in war, for example, and done what he needed to do, then a lot of his friends wouldn't have died. Right. Right. So it's like and these so, little these and little twitches. We're setting him up to just completely swing in the other direction. It's funny that you mentioned that because we are reading a comic right now called Spider-Man Life Story. Yeah. Where it does tell kind of an alternate reality where Peter Parker actually ages throughout the decades. And we get this kind of interesting story of Spider-Man 
aging as you know you do in in real life. Yep. And so you get these these real moments with Spider-Man that we're going to get I think with Superman in this in this DC book. It's what I love about these super contained storylines is that you can do things that are super evolved with characters that you otherwise aren't going right. to get in something that has to be like Clark Kent Ongoing. has to stay in his 30s for 100 like literally 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like almost 100 years. But like S- Superman in the Navy is fucking lit. I'm sorry to use like <laughs> like a, a a teen slang right now, but like holy fuck, can you imagine like it's like when we saw Captain America in Vietnam in Life yes. Story. It's just like how ape shit is this going to get mm-hmm. where he's 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 brought face to face with the 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 horrors and the the atrocities of war and he knows deep down he could end it in probably 10 minutes. Yeah. Like it's a political side of Superman that you don't really see a lot of times. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Like him like really taking sides. That it's not just like a bank robber or a mugger. Yeah. Right. It's just like global <laughs> conflict and like ideologies. It is which weird is dangerous to think that he will be fighting against other humans and he's he doesn't have a dog in that fight really. Yeah. Right. He came to save the earth. They not. also really like play up this idea that he's gonna accidentally kill somebody. Uh-huh. Um, which I don't know if that's happened a lot in Superman stories. I think they try to steer away from the fact that Superman doesn't kill in, like, most of the Superman stories that we get mm-hmm. nowadays. That's his big thing. Like, he he doesn't kill. He tries to do the best he can. But if you're that strong and you're, like, fighting people... And you're in the psychological state of warfare... Well, we kind of saw a little bit the physical. play yeah. with that when he's playing catch with his father. That scene is fantastic that his dad thinks like we get a little bit of inner dialogue of his dad like man if my boy keeps going on the pace he goes like he could really throw a great fastball next year and Clark's inner monologue to contrast that is I am barely moving this what feels like a bubble in my fucking Mm -hmm. hand otherwise it would tear through my dad's glove and through his chest and 50 miles down the fucking road. Like, they made a point of making it feel like humans are playthings to him, and it's just a slight, slight over-exaggeration in his emotion that would just obliterate not only a bad guy when his emotions are rising, right? Right. But a fucking fun game of catch with his dad. Yeah. That he could just annihilate him. I think it's so understated the massive, massive impact that his his uh, not his birth parents, but his 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 uh, mom and pa Kent mm-hmm. had on his life. You know what I mean? Like it, imagine, I mean, Brightburn goes into this, the movie that came out recently. Mm-hmm. Imagine he had different parents, and they taught him different lessons, or they weren't as kind, or, or they were meth to him. heads or something. Yeah, yeah, like a completely different Superman. Yeah, but the the compassion and the the life lessons that they they instilled in Clark. Honestly, made him Superman. Yeah, this that I think that's the crux of the story. That it's just like a subtle, subtle tweak, is that it's not so so obvious that his parents are dickheads. It's just like this small, minute tweak that could just send him cascading in a completely other direction. Right. Like, I I love to go to circle back to him going to the Navy. Mm-hmm. I love the concept that um, he's having that conversation with his father about how he feels like he needs to like 
see the world and learn what his planet's all about. And you think like for a moment you're like, oh, perfect. This is the Superman that I already know. Like he's making these awesome, humble decisions about learning about the world around him. And there's like a next page reveal that he's talking about. He's not talking about gallivanting and tramping around like Europe. Europe. <laughs> he's talking about joining the fucking army. Yeah. And instead of getting uh, his own personal views on what the world is like, he's getting a view of the world through the Navy's eyes. Right. Not his own. Which is fucked up. Right. Yeah, because at a, first it sounds like he's going to be like a marine biologist. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the right? sea is teeming with life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go be on a turtles. boat and kill people. Yeah, well, and and it also that all that the fact of that and how they have that conversation really shows you Clark's innocence mm-hmm. and ignorance to the world around him. That he thinks it's going to be this like cool learning experience that he's not necessarily taking very seriously. Right. You think he goes AWOL? Like, he sees, like, he actually gets firsthand experience in battle, and he sees people dying around him, and he sees just the the hatred in in other people's eyes when they fight, and he's just like, fuck this. I do not want to be a part of it. I think he's too honorable. You think so? I think he would serve his, like, whatever. Serve his seven years, make sergeant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's building up to him. Snapping and just like leveling an entire war field. Oh fuck! How uh, how long is this issue? How many parts is this? I don't know. I don't know how like long this series is gonna go. I want to say five. One of five. Yeah. Which that's a lot of story. If they're all a hundred pages, that's a lot to get through. They mm-hmm. move through this fast though. Mm-hmm. Like they aged him from baby to to yeah senior in high school. And like you're gonna you're gonna flip through this book, you're gonna see a lot of words and a lot of shit going on, but you it reads super easy. It does super super easy. So don't I'll, be scared off from no. <laughs> from all those scary words. <laughs> I'll pay it the same compliment. I think it was an easy read, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And if you're listening to this conversation without having read this book, fuck, ah, you blew it. <laughs> I think it was like— You just messed up. I, it, was, it was very surprising to me, especially given what I know about Frank Miller. Like, yeah. I was expecting a completely different book. Speaking about Frank Miller, there was a little drama about this book, and people were upset that Frank Miller was actually writing it. Mm-hmm. In 2011, he wrote a comic book called Holy Terror. Now, Holy Terror came out after 9-11, and what Holy Terror was about was that there was a superhero who only targeted Islamic terrorists. Oh, boy. And people thought that was a very reactionary book, uh, obviously in reaction to... 9/11. Frank Miller did not hold back in that book. He there uh, there is a it is filled with Islamic phobic speech, hate speech. It is tough to read, tough to you know just look at. So that's kind of his mo though is like being a little bit more like I wouldn't say quite alt right, but definitely like GOP esque. He came out against the 99% and the Wall Street protesters yeah. and was calling them lazy and entitled. And so he and got, got in a fight with uh, uh, Alan Moore. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank Miller actually took a sabbatical from comics for like three years. And because it was just like people weren't having it. 
I mean, they called him out, and rightly so. I mean, like, the stuff he was doing was, uh, you know, people called it reactionary. They called it... He in, laid in, low in, until his stock was more valuable. Right. So, I mean, does that affect the way you read this book? And does it affect the way... I mean, do you see Frank Miller? I mean, Frank Miller has always been seated in controversy. There's no two ways around it. Well, I just think, like, some of those beliefs, like, I don't know. No, keep going. I mean, you're right. I mean... To just come out with something that, like... That quickly and that easily? Yes, and and pushing sort of, like, an agenda like that. I feel like it would already have had to have been there and not just the shock of a catastrophe like that. Like, it's more of, like, a vehicle to be like, this is when people will listen type of thing. Yeah, like he's been, he had this in his back pocket for a while or something. Maybe not, you know, fully fleshed out, but, like, using that feeling of patriotism and that rise of nationalism to put that out at that point. Yeah, it's it's total propaganda. I will completely agree with that. Seating and, like... People were actually boycotting this book because they still think that Frank Miller is an is a, a Islamophobe. Is that the correct word? Yeah, so it is a word. here's, like... Here's an interesting conversation here, is that we, through Me Too, especially lately, yes. we've had a lot of situations where um, we're questioning, can I enjoy this person's art still, knowing that they're a, com- a complete fucking garbage can <laughs> of a person. Yeah, we like, almost had two of them on the show. Oh, complete, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's been, it's... If if you're living in America, this has directly affected your life, um, super presently. I would imagine it's even just in the realm of this podcast. It's affected all of our lives in a really immediate and personal way. Mm-hmm. Um, to have these close, honest conversations with people, and then find learn, out later that they're find out later that they're different people than we thought they were, and we were promoting and amping their their stuff, and it feels very dirty later. Um, you get duped, and then the enjoyment that you got out of something that was completely innocent on your end is taken. Yeah, away. you feel yeah. almost responsible for it. it yeah, for yeah. sure. Because how could you like something that was based out right. of right? Fries the synapses in your brain yeah. to a certain extent. Now, I I'll say that there's been musicians who I found out have been uh, abusive. To women, and there are athletes, oh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the same respect, doing the same sort of things, and I'll never support those people ever again. I'll never buy a jersey or an album of someone who's done those things. Um, I obviously bought this Frank Miller comic book um, that I I don't want agenda full throttle, but if I'm getting a peek into a person's mind who has different political beliefs than me and um, a different viewpoint on something, fine. Do I want to read something from someone who's a full-on racist? No. no. <laughs> right. I don't want to support you at all. No. Just, just the same way I'm with what I mentioned about the um, abusers earlier. Right. Like, you don't deserve my, my money or my time of day. It's hard because I don't know if he's ever came out and made a formal, sincere apology about it. And, you know, there's, there are themes in the Superman book that he has about, you know, people can change if you give them the opportunity. 
So it's well, it's a, it's, a, it's a sticky is, wicket. Some stuff is learned. It's environmental. It's institutional. It's I mean there. I think the concept of atonement has to be considered in some points. I mean for athletes, for musicians, mm-hmm. for anybody. Yeah. But you have to. It's not because you're of your investment in your career, your brand, or your stock. It's because you you feel. Well, well one one thing that Frank Miller kind of gets tagged with is like being super, like um, masculine. In or overly masculine in in his stories, um, and I think that that is one strike against this story is it is super heteronormative, like very masculine, like guy gets the girl, girl waits for guy to come back, like type of thing. Doesn't really even attempt to break that norm in any way, um, and that to it, me was a little bit bland. But there's there's a scene with like. Lana or Lena, however you say it, mm-hmm. um, where he's like driving off and she's climbed up high and has a note that says like "I love you, I'll miss you forever" or something like that, and it like didn't even really make sense necessarily like why that was like I it, it just felt like very much like you know like like good, a CW like, show yeah like good American well guy I, guess. I thought it's that like, was tied into the fact that she was the only person who knew the full extent of some of his powers okay well, and, and so she knows and knows he can see that and it's like a thing that they share and bond between them and I kind of CW but sorry yeah I think it honestly I think in the same respect that it was a super sweet moment yeah that uh, it seemed to me that as that piece unfolded he didn't know the full scope of his powers yeah he would, was like would oh al- shit i can see that would far. allow him to like look miles into the horizon oh you're right yeah. and she's got this certain trust and love for him that is like he will look for me he's got something yeah. deep in his soul and in his that, heart you're just sitting up well, on a roof with a piece of where paper he's looking just like, back home and so oh. and the, this is a dumb thing but it, i think that they like should have had them have sex but like I he can't though. Thought that they did well, and when he's they when kind of standing, insinuated that they did. Yeah, so I, that he I spent thought, the whole night with her. Yeah, okay, I thought so too. I just maybe I was the only one reading into that. But Greg is is looking at me saying that Superman can't. So have sex. I think it was wasn't this explored in like Superman two the movie where Clark can't have sex because once he comes, the cum will shoot right through the person. Yeah, they talked about this in Mallrats. Yes, exactly. That he would blow his load right through Lois right Lane. Right through Lois okay, Lane. Here's the thing. So he that's can why he pull had to pull out. Or he has it's a still going to go somewhere. Oh, I would not trust Superman <laughs> to pull out, especially with my ass. <laughs> Spilling my seed? I don't think so, especially woman. I'm a God fearing mo- man. <laughs> no, no way. Oh, Teenage Clark Kent. We have to cut all of that. Teenage nope. Clark Kent, who's never been laid before. No, he busts his a nut first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going to send her <laughs> to the moon. Yeah. Let me add some gravy well, those biscuits, the thing Lana. Is, the thing is, that was actually, to your point, Budget King, is that when Pa Kent is standing outside the bus, and he's like, he did what he had to do. <laughs> like, to get some. Basically being like, Mother, he's got he's to gotta sow his seed. Because Mama, he had is, to tap that ass. He's going off to war, and that's what a boy's got to do. Like, it felt very, like, yeah. binary and kind of heteronormative, and I was right. just... It was, yeah. Clark, don't you spill that seed. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> a couple... You must destroy her. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she not plastered to the ceiling? <laughs> Why can she still walk? <laughs> yeah, Clark would have broken her pelvis. Get back in there, boy. 
Uh, okay, a couple a couple last things before we wrap up the conversation. That last just, minute thoughts with that Mike I just D. wanted to touch on. Um, as far as um, loose loose ends in from this first book, I don't know if you guys had any that you're just like, where does this go? Or this seemed like a storyline that like didn't necessarily pay off. And are we going to get some resolution on that? Um, one that really stuck out to me was there's this goth character that seemed like he was having a story arc, seemed to be resentful of Clark, seemed to be a sort of kid who was going to be a a Columbine sort of character that took matters into his own hands. Yeah, he stabs him. Yeah, he tries to stab Clark in the hand, which is pretty (laughs) fucked up. That's what friends do. (laughs) And then there's there's a harump from him on the bus ride later that... I think insinuates that he's the one who tattled on Clark to the bullies. Yeah. That, like, I want to be protected, so I'm going to tell them that, like, Lana has, like, pictures of you guys bullying. Fucking Judas. Maybe that's the only purpose he serves in the story. Uh, I I was kind of thinking he might turn out to be Lex Luthor. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) I do have one gripe, and this is the one gripe I always Mm -hmm. have with Superman stories. So Ma and Pa Kent yep. find this baby in a field. They don't alert alert the police. <laughs> they don't alert social services. He came from a rocket. What fell from the sky, Greg? What fell from the How sky? How do you it must They're come from, think you're crazy? It must come from the clouds where Jesus lives. <laughs> Jesus dropped us a baby in a middle little basket. Th- this is why in 1930 or whatever, when Action Comics started, that it was perfect to set this up in middle America in a rural town is that like literally called Smallville (laughs) that a married couple that lives out on a farm that's far away from anybody. No surprise when the next time you see them after winter is like, we had a fucking baby. It's like, oh (laughs) shit, you were pregnant? What the fuck? You know what? No big deal to get your kid registered in the 1930s if you live in a farm <laughs> and had like a home birth, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little more problematic of a storyline um, nowadays. Now, it, like it, from like the 80s, 70s, 80s on. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry for the very literal answer to your very fun but conundrum. No, but no, it's just like <laughs> people have to know. Like um, both of them have like dusty bl- blonde brown ha- brown hair. Yeah. Clark is jet black. Yeah. Uh, probably has none of the same facial features or body features as Ma and Pa. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's always been just like a weird riddle to me of everyone in this town just like, eh, fuck it. Well, you know how s- towns like that is, too. People are probably talking, but no one's going to come out and confront <laughs> it. And I also really think it's been explored trouble. that mm-hmm. uh, either Ma or Pa couldn't have children like yep. so they're just like oh, this is the answer this to is our prayers blessing. yes yeah. heaven sent yes exactly that literally from the sky that simple small town folk are like we've received a blessing from the heavens yes this uh, is a gift from god that we're and we're shepherding in this mm-hmm. gift which uh, is like okay yeah okay it plays into the whole morality story and is like perfect for the superman lore um last thing i wanted to hit was we, sometimes we try not to do this with the books that we cover, but since it is a little bit of a controversial story and a controversial figure writing it, um, I just kind of wanted to hit on 
personal perceptions of how much you enjoyed it. Like we talked about before with Frank Miller and his checkered past, I, I enjoyed the book, and I know that he has gone on a personal journey of exploring kind of who he is and the things that he gets into and the, his thoughts about things. It's I wonder how much of this is written to make his ideology seem more normal yeah. in the, in the through the eyes of Superman. Right. So all in all, I thought the book was good. But I, I do put an asterisk next to that of just, like, I have to realize who's writing it. Yep. And what his, not necessarily agenda, but his views are on different subjects. So I think the comic was really, really enjoyable. But for me, it moved too fast past things that I wanted to stay with a little bit longer and stay some more time on, like... I really wanted to see the bully stuff kind of play out a little bit more and have him to, like, deal with that, like, morality. I kind of wanted to see him as a toddler with his parents and, like, how they were, like... I know that we had to get, like, quick scenes and stuff, but so, to me, the, even though it was big and fat, uh, it was a thick boy comic, um, it moved quickly through stuff that I felt was, like, just on the tip of developing some really interesting perspective to Superman. Yeah. Um, to the point that I think a lot of it had that happen three times maybe that it's like, I think we got a we got an okay developed Superman ready to go off to the Navy and let's see what happens. I didn't really know about the controversial stuff. Um and I I really enjoyed the book overall. I, I don't I wouldn't say that I was kind of blown away, but I also haven't read very many other Superman stories. Yeah. So I'm not really burnt out or really all that knowledgeable about the origin. So I, I mean I would to your point earlier, Budget King, I think this is a really good fresh jumping off point for people. Um but they may not come away with it knowing and feeling the same that they have the same kind of knowledge now that other Superman fans have. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I personally enjoyed the story. I, for me, I I read a couple other Superman origin things recently. Not necessarily anticipation in anticipation of this, but just out of happenstance and convenience that this ended up happening. Um, I think I was just I was blown away by how much this did for me in such a crowded landscape of fucking Superman origin stories that are a dime a fucking dozen. Um, it, it really stood out to me as something that I thought was really artfully done and posed a lot of questions about Superman's upbringing and have a lot of loose ends that I think can be very, very interestingly paid off in future storylines. And I think this is one of those unique cases wherein I could look back at a book And by the time issue three or four of this is out, in retrospect, I might fucking hate this first issue (laughs) because of how it pays off what it does and and the moral implications of the first issue and how they snowballed into the fourth issue. And I may look back on this first issue and, like I said, I already already really liked it. I'm bordering on saying I loved Mm -hmm. this first issue um, that I might say— Art, like fucking brilliant take on Superman that uh, is you could weigh against any like 
top five Superman story that's ever been written, just depending on where this goes from here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think sometimes people listening to this podcast are wondering, like, do I jump in on this? Is this something that I, like, taste, even if this isn't the thing that I'm reading? And I think, like, this comic book, more than most other things we've read, is, like, a very, like accessible entry point like if you go back and look at like daredevil or even silver surfer last week like those things take a little bit of like knowledge and pretext of knowing what's going on in those landscapes to be able to jump into them this is just jump in superman easy it's going to be a fun follow for you um and and could be Interesting. Well, and you have two legends on a book together. You got yeah. Frank Miller and you got Ramita Jr. Yeah. Like, that doesn't fucking happen often. No. I would I would compare, like, to, to do a sports analogy that's recent, I would say that having this book to read and talk about with you guys and be part of the conversation of something like this coming out that's controversial and has a lot of... Um, hairy parts of the spectrum of of what's going on here is so much like uh, Anthony Davis getting traded to the Lakers. Like, huge blockbuster trade. Right. Huge implications of the NBA. Uh, figures that are substantiated in the in the NBA being involved involved like LeVar Ball and LeBron James and your strong opinions about those people and whether you love them or fucking hate them uh that when that trade happens it's like all you want to do is talk to your fucking sports people and see what they their thought about is. that yeah. and what their take is like this is one of those big things for 2019 that as a as just a comic book person you want to read and hear what other people think about it. If this keeps up the writing quality and the art quality through 2019, this is going to be like best of material mm-hmm. on a lot of people's lists. I think so. It's a slapper. Yeah. Certified slapper. I'm calling it. A CS. A, C, a, a real CS. F-I-C-C-S. <laughs> First issue club certified slapper. slapper. Ooh, I like that. And on that note, that does it. That does it. God damn it. That does it. Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. Hello. Uh, oh, I raised him better. God, your dad sounded like Rodney Dangerfield just then. <laughs> he does kind of sound like Rodney. My son has no respect for himself. <laughs> Take my son, please. Uh. Oh, God. I'm, I'm loving this episode so far. <laughs>